live in the San Francisco Bay Area. Joe lives in LA. Uh, each week we call it one another and we just catch up. <laughs> that is the worst joke I've ever made. Sit on this crucifix <laughs> and you're like, oh my gosh, this. Stop, stop, stop. Ow! Yeah, I went there, Mike. I went there, motherfucker. Hey, Joey. Hi, Mike. Hey, Joey. Hi, Mike. No one would ever go to this what? many sex-sounding gay bars. Down a spiral staircase? With a <laughs> dancing monkey? Seriously. <laughs> Did you buy dog Viagra? Joey, it was nice catching up with you. Go, go to hell, Mike. Hey, Joey. Maybe Mike's right. Maybe there is something the matter with me. I just don't see how a podcast that's so goddamn funny could be bad. Wait, is that Mike it? Mike and Joe. <laughs> Mike and Joe. They have a podcast that's gay. Mike and Joe. Mike and Joe. From Oakland and L.A. Take a chance with Joe Batanz and Mike Lawson. Nicole never bothered me anyway. Wait, what do, you, what do you mean Nicole never bothered you? From, from Greetings from Nowhere. I know, but what does that mean? I don't know. She doesn't bother me. <laughs> so dumb. Um, hello to everybody listening. My name's Mike. That's Joe. I live in the San Francisco Bay Area. Joe lives in LA. We've been friends for over a decade, and each week we call one another, and we catch up. I know. Hello, Mike. Well, no. Yeah, you know what? Let's talk about this. Why do you never answer your fucking phone when I call you? I was watching House of Cards, episode 11 of season two, which is so good. No spoilers, but it was like so fucking gasp worthy. I just read a, a, an article the other day about um, how the people on Netflix, whenever they launch a new show or a show like House of Cards, they have like a war room uh-huh. uh, full of techs, you know, people, engineers and stuff in case something goes wrong. Right. But they also measure... Who's watching? They always know what you're watching and who's watching and whatnot. And in the article, they mentioned that um, when they released uh, House of Cards Season 1, basically out of 20 million subscribers, there was one person who at midnight uh, started watching the entire season and except for three minutes. (laughs) Was watching. Was Like they finished the whole show. 12. 13 hours. 13 hours, starting at midnight. Wow. And that was one person. I'm like, Mike Lawson. No. Season one, I was a late adopter. Like, I heard about it, uh, but I didn't watch it, like, the minute it came out. Now, let me ask you this question, because my ward, Jose, has been bugging me to watch this Fakakta show. Okay? And I have it, and here's one of the reasons why. is I have a problem with the idea that the Kevin Spacey character breaks the fourth wall, and I think that would bug me. Try it. It's actually pretty good. There's like a nice nod to it. The first episode of season two, he doesn't do it until the last like five minutes. And when he does it, it like feels good. Like he looks at the camera and he's like, you think I forgot about you? And it just like is a good moment. I'm going to start breaking the fourth wall in the show. There is no wall. There are no walls. You guys, Mike, we all know Mike Lawson's full of shit. He doesn't have a weird accent only when he looks at the camera. But my character will. My character, (laughs) when he breaks the fourth wall, 
will only have an accent. Well, if you're on Netflix, I highly recommend House of Cards. It's so good. So good. And I've been binge watching. I'm on episode 11 right now. We just finished episode 11. You guys, Mike Lawson thinks we care about what he watches. Can you believe that? Wait, is your side voice going to be mean? You guys, Mike Lawson's talking to me. What do I do? What did you do this week, Joe? <laughs> uh, I went to a game night. Have you been to have you ever been to a game night where we get together and play games? Yeah, like once a week. Two guys, no rules. I mean, oh what? yeah. I used you to be on a podcast. I I never remember that tagline though. Two guys, one game, no rules or something like that. You guys, I, don't know. I forgot Mike Lawson was on another show. Okay, tell me about your game night. So, okay, the game night actually, apart, it was just a lot of fun. We played Cards Against Humanity the whole time, which, you know, when you're with a bunch of people and they're all, you know, funny and you like them, then it's really good. Um, I will say it was kind of one of like a meet the parents kind of thing because Shannon, my friend Shannon, my writing partner and friend, um, has a boyfriend. A pretty serious boyfriend now. And I'd met him before. It's so funny. The boyfriend is um, a very in-demand vocal coach, right? Like like a high – he's like a high-end vocal coach, right? And when he when we met him for the first time, uh, it was me, Chris, and Mercedes. Shannon brought him over for dinner. And, Mike, I'm going to tell you something. Whenever it, – it normally – Chris and Mercedes and I are never singing. <laughs> All of a sudden, we were like an I Love Lucy episode when Ricky brings over like <laughs> a Broadway. Talent scout. Yeah, talent scout. <laughs> like we were like, um, I was like, Carolina gave me Dinah. You know, like, <laughs> like <laughs> I came out like. <laughs> like they open the like kitchen cabinets and there's like a spotlight coming down. <laughs> yes, Mike, seriously. I was like, I was walking through the park one day and I was wearing like, a bowler hat and Mercedes was like hanging onto my arm and she's like, in the very, very month of May. And so like we just kept singing the whole time. It was so weird. I have no idea why we did that. Right? Was he saying anything about your singing? No, he was kind of like the talent scout on I Love Lucy. He was just kind of like silently, no expression, just looking at us. Did now I have a question about a a really high uh, in demand is what you said vocal coach is somebody like him because I would say you are or you were <laughs> an in demand SAT tutor. Mm-hmm. Do you think that it's kind of similar? Like, does, can he sing really well? It's funny like, that you say that. Why um, why hasn't he gone into singing? And I don't think. I think he's more of a musician. Singing? And I th- like I feel like it's the same way. Why doesn't Joe Batanz go to Harvard? But instead, he helps kids get into Harvard. Okay, okay. Very good question. <laughs> um, one, he's more of a musician. I don't know if he'd call himself a singer, mm-hmm. but he's just a really good voice coach. Um, with Joe Batanz, Joe Batanz is too lazy right. to, to go to Harvard. <laughs> uh, but, um, yeah, so uh, with him, yeah, yeah, yeah. He um, he has, like, famous people as clients. Okay. Which So I was getting – I shouldn't probably say this, but – uh, I was getting some dirt on. on. Now, I will say, in fairness to him, it wasn't from him. It was from friends of his at the game night on uh, certain people. I'll tell you one right now, and then I'll bleep it out and make everyone mad. We know. I'm like, oh. Cricket, cricket, cricket.
I know, but I was like, I, was just, I still love hearing that. I I love hearing anything about anybody being gay. <laughs> um, What else? So that's not the point of the game night. At the game night, I started getting texts from this guy that I met on Grindr a long time ago, actually. In fact, I've never even talked about him. Here's the funny thing about him. He is a um, trademark and copyright attorney. That sounds so exciting. Well, no, but, you know, from what, what I've been doing with writing and stuff like that and a, bit, a book that I'm working on. You see, here's the thing is I don't tell people on Grinder that I'm a writer. Mm-hmm. I tell them. Um, I'm, I'm unemployed. <laughs> <laughs> no, that'd be telling the truth. Um, no, I just tell them I'm a, like a tutor, right? Oh, sure. So uh, I, uh, but so he's just, you know, this, you know, dumb SAT tutor. So when I was talking to him, I would be, but I'm actually doing research on this book I'm writing about a famous person and it can get tricky with the copyright and the trademark and the brand and all that nonsense. So I would be like, hmm, oh, here's a weird question. It's so interesting what you do. Let's say I want to write a book about um, the Beatles, let's say. How would I do that? <laughs> like I would ask him like legal questions about like copyright and trademark. Uh huh. On Grinder. On the no Grindr no 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 app. on the phone on the phone. <laughs> next to my dick, I put the question right. next to a picture of my dick. So anyway, that's how we. He only answers it if he gets a dick shot. Yeah. So <laughs> he answers with a dick. <laughs> so anyway, um, he uh, so then once I was bored of asking my questions, I stopped talking to him. Right. Yeah. Oh shit! I should get my phone and read you some of the text messages. He started texting me. During the game night and was texting me really, really nasty shit. And I was sharing it with everyone at the game night. Probably much. Joe, too- why would you do that? Oh, my God, Mike. Let me read you what he wrote. I'm going to okay, get my phone. It. I'm going to get my phone. Share it, share it with everyone listening to Yeah, I'm going to get my phone. This is where the music goes. I love how with this uh, microphone that I got, like when I test it, it's super low, and now I think I'm overmodulating. Ugh, so annoying. Okay, here we go. So first he texts me, and he goes, uh, "How's it going?" I mean, it's at the game nights. I'm there, and like it's, we were just shooting the shit. So I'm all, "Oh, it's going okay." And he goes, "Good." And then he goes, "Just been thinking about you using me." Whoa. Wink. Right. Okay. Have you guys talked dirty like that? Yes. Okay. okay. And he goes, really want to, super horny, but no, don't, but this is where it gets good. What Wait. What time is it? Is it like um, 6.30? It's at, you, no, hold on, I'm going to tell you. Is he like digesting no, 9 dinner 9.15, 9.15. Oh, okay, so this, okay, is, okay. this is where it gets good. He goes, so let me repeat that. He goes, really want to, super horny, but don't know that, that I can, kind of sick. Ew. <laughs> <laughs> Right? <laughs> what? Yeah, it gets better. He goes, can you do it really soon, though? And then, okay, at this point, I already share that part with the friends, right? Uh-huh. So I'm like, guys, this guy just told me he wanted to hook up, but he's sick, right? Okay. So then I go, I don't know. Do I get sick from your cum? Right? Okay. Am I going to catch something? Gross. Okay. This is what he writes back. No. I got... <laughs> I don't know. I don't, I don't know if I'll be able to finish this. Here we go. <laughs> now remember, just be, before I read this, this is a guy who wants me to come over and have sex with him. Okay. Remember, he's trying to be sexy 
and like and, you know seduce me. Okay. okay. No, I got the, no, I got the flu, then bronchitis, then because I was so sick, I got shingles, which hasn't fully healed. <laughs> what do you respond to that? Then, hot then he write back. Not all trimmed and washed up either. Ew. Yeah. Washed up. Yeah. So, like, take a shower before you invite me over. Like, it's not like he's saying, come over this minute. I can't wash up in time. (laughs) So then I go, hmm, it's getting kind of late. By the way, it's 1030. I go, hmm, it's getting kind of late. He goes, up to you. I'll taste your piss and come soon. (laughs) That's his sign off? So wait, when are you? When you went over, what happened? <laughs> he wasn't that sick. <laughs> Whoa! So wait, are you gonna go hang out or? No, that was like, no, that made me interested. It, that made me instantly not interested. Shingles? Yeah. Who writes like, uh, <laughs> my shingles haven't healed? But Joe, um... you are the worst fucking gay guy. <laughs> One case of shingles and you won't go do it. I would. I would kill for somebody to give me shingles. <laughs> oh, well, maybe that can be arranged. I'll give you some number. <laughs> That's true. That's a good point. What's going on with you? Uh, well, we had Valentine's Day. I don't know if you remember, but I told oh, you yeah. that I had roses delivered to RK's work. And I was like kind of concerned because we never really talked about it. But I thought like, oh, he might be embarrassed. And he was embarrassed. And, oh, he it wasn't was? Bad. Yeah, but he like said thank you and like kissy face or something on text message like it wasn't like so embarrassing i'm mad at you uh but he's in an office of all women he's the only man that works there and he's the only one that got roses delivered (laughs) oh my god (laughs) i didn't really expect i didn't think that went out very well are they older ladies or the younger ladies everything there's like one that's like his age and then they go all the way up to like their 60s so Everything. Yeah, but I bet you they love Rod Kyle. Yeah, no, they love it. And I think that they even love, like, teasing him a little bit about it. Like, I think that oh, that, no. was, that was kind of cute. And Oh, God. Yeah. So that happened. But then we went to a nice romantic dinner. And then after dinner, we went to this ice cream place called Fenton's. It's kind of like a well-known ice cream place in Oakland. It's been around since like 1849 or something. And we got some ice cream and hung out. And one of his coworkers um, was having her Valentine's dinner there. And then they came out and sat with us for ice cream. And I've met her. She's super nice. I've never met her boyfriend, though. But I, he comes out and he talks a lot with his hands. Okay. Um, which is, not, that sure. doesn't mean anything. doesn't mean anything at all. Uh, talks a lot with his hands. Listens to our uh, show. <laughs> Listens to cocktails and cream puffs. Listens to co- yeah. He's really <laughs> hoping for Joey to pull it out, you know, with this weight loss thing. Wants to be best friends with Christina from Greetings from Nowhere. Yeah, exactly. He's hoping to be the co-pilot for... Uh, <laughs> The satyr sphere. <laughs> so there's that. He's like super reactive to like stories. Like mm-hmm. he does the gasp. Sure. He, like you get to a punch. Uh-huh. And at one point we started talking about the Olympics and he oh, no. told us he loves men's figure skating. Oh my God. Right. So after all this, we're like, we leave, we go back to my house to watch house of cards. Just me and RK. Mm-hmm. And, 
on the way there, I'm like, RK, he's gay. Yeah. And and he's like, well, they've been together for five years. And I'm like, yeah, I just really get the feeling. Um, Why did he tell me they've never had sex? No. No. Never. In five years, they're saving it for marriage. Oh, my God. Wake up and smell the poppers. <laughs> Isn't it so easy to save yourself if you don't want it? Yes. Yes, yeah. it is, of course. Very easy to save yourself. So I'm like having this conversation and RK has a good point. He's like, it's she I guess there's been like she suspected in the past. Um, but it's not really his place to like keep That's true, but here's my up. question. Is he cute? Um, he's not unattractive. Would I think he's cute? No, because he's Asian. What that's what are you talking about? I find <laughs> Asians attractive. <laughs> He he's attractive. Um I yeah, I don't know. I don't think that all of these things make you gay, but they're surely But you know what? You should have thrown signals. in the Asian thing cuz I'll be honest with you. I'm now not convinced cuz Asian guys can throw you for a fucking loop, kind of like euros. Yeah. Yeah, I guess. But he's like not I don't I don't, I don't know too much about him, but like I just really got the vibe, Joe. Really got the vibe. So, what else is happening in L.A.? Uh, this is just a really brief story. Uh, I was going to go to um, lunch with my parents, and I was getting ready, bobbity blue, and they were... Today? No, it was like a few days ago. My mom goes, where's your father? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go get him. He's downstairs. And she goes downstairs, and she's like calling his name. Hello, hello. And then she goes... Right? No, he had a heart attack I know. He was on the kitchen I, floor. I know. That's what I'm thinking. So I ran downstairs. There was a bird in the house. <laughs> Where was your dad, though? He was outside doing what? Talking to the neighbor. And um, it's so funny because I was going to be like, Mom, it's just a bird. And she goes, okay, well, get it out of the house. And I was like, I think Dad better do it. <laughs> like, and then you were like, ah! I was like hiding from the bird. I know. <laughs> then I ran out. I just fainted. Right. I flew How'd away. How did you guys get it out? Just swatted it we, out. It wanted to get out. And it, there's, right. a, there's a lot of open doors where it was. So we just the, opened a door. The problem with that, though, is like if the bird is freaked out and you're like trying to corner him, he's going to like fly full speed at the windows and shit. Well, yeah. So like yeah. you have to be careful to try to do it kind of gently. We were kind of gentle. And again, like they have a lot of doors in the back in the back of the house. And the do- the bird was already there. So it's just we just opened all the doors and he naturally just flew out. Good. He was like, "I don't know. I went to this house and all these people were yelling." <laughs> it's how you feel when you're there. Like, <laughs> stop yelling at me. <laughs> and I fly into I find the doors and try to get out. Um, we did the Sparrow Rose campaign. I talked about it at the end of uh, last week's episode, Joey. Um, and the idea was for people to donate the price of one rose instead of buying a full dozen by 11. Um, how much do you think we raised? Our goal was $10,000. And so you're saying so you get you get the price of one rose. Well, we don't. It wasn't actually like the nonprofit I work for. It's a nonprofit called uh, Life for a Child, which gives money to children who don't have access to insulin. And then what percentage of the money that they raised do you get? Zero. Okay, so how, you're asking how much did you guys raise for this organization? Right. And your goal was $10,000. Yeah. I'm going to say you raised $11,000. Joe, we raised over $20,000. <gasps> oh, my God. 
Isn't that amazing? Wow. So with that money for a full year, we'll keep over 300 kids alive. So if anybody listening to this went and donated some money at SparrowRose.org, thank you so much. You can keep donating if you want to, SparrowRose.org, but... I don't want to brag. It's all you. Well, I didn't want to brag, but I did... um, I bought zero roses. Okay. So that means you guys got money for 12 roses. Oh, you gave money? Oh, you were supposed to give money. I just thought meant not buying a rose. You guys got money. Oh, yeah. You should have explained that better. <laughs> what else is happening with you? Any news stories you want to talk about? Yeah. Okay. This is actually, you know, because sometimes we struggle with the news. Because sometimes, not only does do, do it have to be a news story from L.A. or Oakland, but it should have it should engender some sort of discussion. And that's not right. always easy to do. But this one, I know will. This one I know well. There's this restaurant in L.A. It's owned by a guy named, I don't know how you say his name. I'm going to say Bill Shea, as I'm guessing here. Uh, he owns a restaurant called Republic. Okay. Okay. And they're doing a new thing where he's adding 3% to every bill to cover the health care costs for his employees. Not eating there. What a dick. Okay, well, here's the thing. Here's the thing. So I have more to say about this, but he's doing this based on a law or something that they did in San Francisco in 2011 where restaurants were charging 3% to pay for health care costs in San Francisco, and it raised $14 million. Now, where it got controversial in San Francisco was they did a study. I guess somebody did a, a study, and the restaurants were actually only using a third of that money for health care. You can't. He's doing this because he wants to prove a point. He wants people to see that the cost of this is they don't have to pay this, but because of um it, because of his politics, he wants you to hurt. I don't like that at all. What do you think? I didn't want to tell you this. I'm taking you there for your birthday for dinner. I'm not going to be in L.A. How do you know? Um, I didn't want to tell you this. I booked a surprise gift for you to go to L.A. What? On your birthday. And I'm taking you to Republic. I'm busy, I'm busy that day. And I'm going to make you pay the 3%. <laughs> um, okay, I agree with you. I think he's being sort of, like, obnoxious and being like, um, like, oh, look, everybody, this is how much you have to pay now because of this. And he's trying to prove a point. But he does say he's going to use every penny to pay for the health care. So I worked it. I mean, three percent is three dollars for every hundred dollars. Sure, I just so, think it's a dickhead thing to be like. You should just tack it on. Here's my politics, you. and it's costing you. You know what I mean? Like, just shut up. Just shut up and do, like run a restaurant. Don't make. Don't bring politics into it. So any restaurant where they add a fee for politics, you're not going to go there. Correct. Now, let me ask you a question. Now, I don't – maybe you do, maybe you don't. But, you know, I've often run into this. I feel like a lot of liberals struggle with this because Whole Foods is run by a very conservative, like, George W. Bush-loving guy. But they love that fucking Whole Foods. And so I think they they struggle and they're not willing to give up Whole Foods. They're willing to sacrifice their politics for Whole Foods. Are you in the same camp here in this? No, I don't I don't actually shop at Whole Foods. Um, there's one really close to my house, but it's just too expensive. Yeah, it's really fucking expensive, I'm, man. I'm not rich. So yeah. We, yeah, I know. I also have the luxury. I live 
in Oakland and Berkeley. So like I have a grocery store really close to my house that's run kind of like a co-op. It's not, but um, like they make a lot of their own products and like it's called Berkeley Bowl and it's like it, it does the trick and the prices are great. The produce is like local and cheap and that's the way that I go. But I just don't understand like why not why doesn't he add a percentage for like the chef's salary on there too? So you're like, this chef cost you. Sorry guys. I don't know. I think that it you should provide health care for your employees and you add the cost to your food prices. It's a price of doing business. It's not an extra cost that you need to point out to everybody. The tactic is just like annoying. Guys, it sounds like Mike's really upset about this topic. <laughs> I don't know. Also, if we had why a, are you laughing? If we had a single payer system like the rest of the world, that's then... the funny thing. That is the best thing. Is it's so funny? Is a single payer system is the best way to go. We, you know, businesses shouldn't be paying for healthcare. That's that's what's so funny. And and this is the the that's the fight conservatives should be fighting. It and these like free market people is. You know, I've been hearing a lot about this and reading a lot about this, but um, businesses paying for healthcare is a relic of like, um, like the New Deal because there were laws against, um, uh, they had like laws restricting how much you could raise someone's pay or how much you could, you know, give them a raise because they were trying, they had like a, a talent deficiency and so they didn't want people stealing other people, Yeah, you know? Mm -hmm. So the way they got around it was they, the companies could offer benefits to attract uh, employees and so that's why businesses started offering healthcare, and then it people got used to it and then it became a thing but that was just that's just a relic and we need to think past that businesses what if you think about it, it's kind of kooky that employers are responsible for the health care of their employees right and so it should be a single-payer system mm -hmm. where it's um that's how it happened it shouldn't yeah people shouldn't be responsible for themselves but it should be a single-payer system mike lawson i agree with you and for once you are right mike <laughs> what's going on in the bay area well there's a story i wanted to tell you about it's not as interesting as this one you just told um i should also point out though that right before we started recording i had to restart my computer so i don't have any of the like news stories up i'm just gonna like wing it and do like Joe Batanz does and know none of the facts, but act like I know them all. So the Golden Gate Bridge, have you heard of it? Hmm. There's this bridge up here. No. It's kind of well known. Um, they switched um, They switched over to a fully electronic toll taking system. So now you don't have to stop at a toll. You have to have a little um, transponder fast track thing to go through. If you don't have a fast track, they will send you a bill in the mail. Um, you have a very short window to pay the the toll. And if you don't pay the toll, this is like where it's kind of getting controversial. The numbers are starting to come out where if you don't pay the toll in something like 30 days, a $6 ride across the bridge turns into 70 bucks. So people are not opening mail and it's getting set aside. And then these bills are like compounding. So like people owe hundreds of dollars for riding across the bridge once and never paying for it. On top of that, a lot of people are also just riding with paper plates on their, um, like, dealer plates over their um, license oh. plate. So if you're wearing, if you have a, a dealer plate on your car, there's nothing they can do about it. They, they oh, can't. I thought they were putting, like, a Dixie cup, you know, like a Dixie plate like that on there. <laughs> they, they go to a picnic, and then they... Yeah, they're like, oh, put it in front of the license plate. They'll never catch us now. <laughs> 
Um, so what do you think about that? Do you think that w- we are losing too much? I mean, we're going electronic, which is supposedly saving them a lot of money. You don't need toll workers. Right. And then um, they're also getting a ton of money because of this, the way that they mark it up. Yeah. You know, here's the problem is uh, a lot of these cities make money based on the fact that people aren't going to pay. And they, they almost like think they actually almost work it into their budgets, you know? And so that's a problem because they could come up with easier ways to pay than just this way that they're doing it. Like for instance, on this American life, when they want your fucking money, you can just like text the word like life and you pay like $5 to them or something like that. Right. Yeah. So they could do it that you, you know, have an account with them and you just text when you're going over the bridge or something. I'm, I'm just making that up. Right. I'm not one of these, you know, Mark Zuckerberg's. Sure. Maybe or this um maybe this driving, guy from maybe when you're driving 50 miles per hour over a bridge texting the word pay is a bad idea but I I understand what you're saying it could be easier I'm not one of these uh uh Larry Ellisons or Bill Gates never heard of them I'm not a Steve Jobs but they're getting you know? they're getting more than a million dollars a year they're they're I'm estimated. not a Tom from MySpace they're getting more than a million dollars a year on just in fees alone. I know. And so they're depending on that. I'm no Mark Cuban here, but I'm going to tell you something. They, they, if they really wanted people to pay the, the money they're supposed to pay, they would just um, just find a way to get you. They would find a more technological way to do it. You know? Yeah. You can have an app for your phone. That's it. You can have an app for your phone. And that, cause your phone could probably act as a transponder. Maybe, but it, I mean, if anything, it could pop up on your phone and says like, you owe six bucks, pay now, and then yeah. you pay now. Like, it doesn't yeah. have to be at the exact moment you cross, but like, yeah, whenever. Yeah, you, yeah. you're right. That's what I'm saying, that they want you to default. They want you not to get it. All cities are doing this. Ugh, LA is the worst. Thank you. Wait. Uh, <laughs> what? I don't know. It was a story about me and then in my city, and all of a sudden you're like, LA's the worst. <laughs> yeah. It was like we're on a catching up with catching up call. Somehow it got back to you. It, Mike, is meeting you like meeting a celebrity? <laughs> what else is By happening? the way, we had like a strikeout. Like three people in a row didn't respond to catching up with catching up. Oh, I got a Valentine's Day card from one of those people. Oh, shit. Damn it. I hope he's what? listening right now. He sends me cards and he puts confetti in it, and I just threw the confetti all over my room when I picked up the card. Who was it? I'm not going to say, but he said, Hugs, Mikey. So sorry I missed catching up with you and Joe. Lost track of time. Thanks for all the smiles. Love this person. Yeah, but this person can still catch up with us. Yeah, I don't think he understands the rules. Hmm. Did you hear this story about this Shia LaBeouf? stealing material yes which by the way just the other day i actually uh chris was throwing out some old books and he had a book that had the comic in it um justin m damiano by daniel klaus okay that's the one that uh shia labeouf stole okay right and i'd never seen the shia labeouf short film so i read the little comic can you tell the story backstory because i don't actually know it i just kind of okay I read headlines only. Okay. I don't have time to read stories. Here we go. I'll tell you the story. So there's a famous um, graphic novel comic book artist named Daniel Klaus. Okay. And he wrote a very short, something like four or five pages, little short comic called 
Justin M. Damiano. It's about a film critic. And pretty much about how the film critic's kind of a fake, you know? Okay. And Shia LaBeouf has gone on record saying that he's a huge fan of Daniel Klaus. Oh, okay. okay. So then Shia LaBeouf makes a short film called Howard something.com you can if you look up the shia labeouf stories the name's in there okay but he makes a short film called howard something.com and he actually submits it to can it goes to like the can film festival they make the movie he makes the movie it's oh, with wow. um uh jim gaffigan and he makes this movie and it goes to Cannes, it, it goes to all these different film festivals and then it actually been around for a year but then um Shia LaBeouf puts it on his website for the public to see it. Okay. And almost immediately, people who, I guess, know this universe go like, um, this is a ripoff of a Daniel Klaus comic book. And then there's a whole big hullabaloo about this, right? Okay. And then, so before we get to what happens, I read the comic book the other day. So again, like I said, it's very short. It's only like four or five pages. And then I go, okay, well, now I'm going to watch the Shia LaBeouf movie. To see, like maybe it's maybe it's just they're they're close, you know. Sure. No, girl, he literally filmed the comic book. Like he'll he changed like the names of the characters and he changed a word here and there. But it's it's even like lifted dialogue, it's lifted shots, it's the same story. It's literally a filmed version of okay. this little. Comic. So it's not like he stole like a concept or no, he like no. stole it. It's like if I took the Pulp Fiction script and filmed it. But change the characters' names. Sure. Were there like you know? w- things that were changed enough? Like everyone no, has a Swedish no, accent. No, 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 no. I mean, even like they're at a restaurant, then they go to a restaurant, then they're at a press screening, then they go to a press screening. I mean, it's like it's the exact same movie. He just changed like a word here and there, and the names of the characters. Okay, so Shia LaBeouf gets called out, and he just goes in this total. Which I have a theory about this. He goes in this total downward spiral, where like he. Starts apologizing. First, it seems like a genuine apology, but then he starts like ripping off other people's apologies. <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah. Wait, like his his statement of regret is like stolen from somebody else. All of them. Yeah, he does it a <laughs> bunch of times. Then he like skywrites. Well, ironically. Yeah, he's. Be- I'll tell. I'll tell you my theory. Okay. Then he skywrites an apology to Daniel Klaus over L.A. Meanwhile, Daniel Klaus lives like in the Bay Area or like Seattle or something. Okay. Um. Then he um, he then he shows up to uh, the film festival in Germany where his new movie's premiering, and he has a um, bag over his head, and he says, "I am not famous anymore." Okay. And then he storms out of a press conference. I saw that. Oh, I saw like an interview that he was like. Yeah, it was some sort of press conference, I think, and he storms out. But it, it was even the thing he said before he stormed out is stolen from somebody else. Like, he's doing this thing where he steals everything he says. Okay. And so now he did this thing. So he started last Tuesday, and it, it finished yesterday, where he sat in a room in Los Angeles, and he had a paper. He had that same paper bag over his head that said, I'm not famous anymore. And he was just crying. And then you could go in the room and sit with him for as long as you wanted. Okay, and they had like all these. I'm not gonna get into the details of little things that they did when you were there, but you one by one people were let in. They couldn't take cameras in or recording equipment, but people broke those rules all the time. And then you would just you could have your experience with Shia LaBeouf. He again, he wouldn't respond to you, but um, 
you could spend as much time as you want with him. And people went and did a variety of kooky things. Now, I'm going to tell you something. I was going to go do this for the show. Right? And it's so funny is I should have just gone Tuesday, but I didn't, you know. And so by the time I went, the line people were camping out. See, because part of the problem was it wasn't even necessarily a long line, but people could be in the room as long as they wanted with him. So some people were in there for like an hour. Right. You know. And um, so I was just like, fuck this. He just stares at you and cries. I was just going to go in there. Chris, my friend, had suggested I do a magic trick for him. Um, I didn't know. I don't know. I don't know what I was going to say to him. I didn't have anything planned. I was just going to do it for the show. But then I was like, I'm not going to sit for 10 hours to sit with Shia LaBeouf in a room. So how, is the movie still available? I don't understand. Yeah, 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 yeah. You can find it uh, online. Is he like paying this artist, the Daniel Klaus guy? Well, I think there's a uh, litigation uh, in process. I'm sure they'll settle. Oh, so anyway, here's my theory. I think what he's doing because even you kind of fed into this. I think what he's doing is he's doing like a huge distraction. So it's almost like, let's say you were in a in a room with little glass figurines and you accidentally broke one. So you just broke them all. Sure. So you don't know which one was broken. It almost seems like that. It's almost like he's doing all this crazy shit to distract from the fact what he did. So that I think in the long run he's going to win. Because I think what's going to happen is in two years, in three years, in five years, people will go like, oh, remember when Shia LaBeouf did that crazy shit? But they're not going to remember that he stole someone's Movie. art. Right. Yeah. And so that's essentially what's happening. Because even Shannon, my friend, was like, why did he, did he doing this again? Like, people are forgetting. Yeah. We have very short memories. Was the movie any good? It's okay. It's very, like, oh, look at me. I'm a student. Oh, he's not a student, but I'm a young filmmaker making this thing. Right. Well, but the problem is, if it's good, and it is, it's because Daniel Klaus, the comic he... that Daniel Klaus made is actually very good. Right. You know? So if if I mean it's hard to to judge because again he stole shots he stole everything so it is it, it's not bad but again it's because of Daniel Klaus it's so weird and like nobody in the artistic process of making this movie said like mm, isn't this no one a, knew you didn't you just steal this no one knew I mean Daniel Klaus I mean did you know who Daniel Klaus was no but that's but I'm you have a stat you don't make a movie alone like there's a lot of people working on it I would yeah is there not somebody that thinks about it, i think I, I think i don't think it's that many people on a short film like this and i think that uh it's somewhat reasonable people didn't know because even for daniel klaus this is like a little known little thing that he did huh. it's not even one of his major works weird um up here in the bay area joe we have this commuter train called the bart have you heard of it a bart train bart train um hmm. well on the bart train this guy traveled overseas he's a uc berkeley student traveled overseas uh, while he was there, he got the measles, and then he came back and ran, uh, rode on the BART train from February 4th to February 7th. So anybody who's ridden the BART train between February 4th and February 7th have, has possibly been exposed to measles. So it's kind of a big thing people up here are talking about. Um, a lot of it has to do with, like, um, he was never vaccinated for them, like most people, I guess, are nowadays. So... Uh, this brings up like should people shouldn't people or should there be like i don't know punishment if you fail to vaccinate and then this happens or what but 
um, every, people are talking about it because everyone uses the BART. It's not like, oh. Well, I have a couple of questions. I have a couple of questions. One, I feel there are a lot worse diseases on the BART than measles. <laughs> I, we, remember there was a story where we showed people were fucking on the BART and yeah, filming it? Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. And then, and then there was also ahead. a story where a guy actually fucked the the seat of a BART. He was alone and he, like, was fucking a seat. Well, him. look, I mean, those – I'm not – I don't usually condone this, but sometimes I go on that BART and those some of those seats are asking for it. <laughs> just the i i feel uncomfortable putting my jeans on the seat like if i'm sitting down it feels uncomfortable yeah meanwhile you put your dick in some guy's um shit shoot anyway uh not any guys just one one lucky one (laughs) so anyway (laughs) so weird it was so weird shit shoot yeah i don't know (laughs) so anyway um uh, there's that. Two, you shouldn't be fining people for not getting um their vaccinations. Should you shame them? Yes, but I don't have any legal consequences for cap permit. Um, three, wouldn't people if again if most people have had the vaccination, wouldn't they then be immune to this? I don't really, I don't really know that. I guess, I guess that makes sense. And then this whole hubbubaloo, hubbubaloo, hubbubaloo. All of this is just like fake. Um, it's like sensational because thousands of people who ride the BART have been exposed well, yeah. to something deadly. There's your fine for not getting your vaccination. Now you went on the BART and some schlub uh, took his measles on there. And by the way, how do they know all this? That this guy had measles. He was in the BART well, in these guess, days. And I guess when you go, when you are diagnosed with measles, the the um health services or whatever pays attention so health officials started talking to him and finding out what he had done in the past whatever week uh since he was ex- um at before he was diagnosed and they found out that he rode the bart an extensive period um he lives in like contra costa county and he rode to uc berkeley right past right past my house so like certainly oh. i could have been on the same bart train as him it's possible but uh the virus actually can stay in the air for up to two hours so he could have left the train sounds and... like one of my dad's farts <laughs> sorry go ahead so people who are vaccinated or have had the measles are unlikely to catch the measles if they're exposed to the the virus this article says however those who have not been vaccinated are at risk so I guess it's highly contagious if you haven't been vaccinated, but it spreads through the, through the air, which makes it, you know, crazy. But UC Berkeley actually recommends that all of their students get the vaccine. So I don't know why this dude hasn't. They're not releasing his name, so you can't be super. You can't shame him too much. Shame on you, unnamed UC Berkeley student with measles. See? There you go. Yeah. Um, what else? Do you have any other news stories? Nope, I'm done. Um, I'm done too. What's going on next week? This is going to be disappointing, I think. Well, for you? Yeah. Um, my friend Liz comes into town, and so I'm going to hang out with her a few days. And also, my cousin Christian is going to the Navy, and he leaves soon or whatever, and there's some sort of (laughs) shindig for him. Cool. There you go. That's what I got going on next week. 
Um, want to know what I got going on? Hmm, I have a feeling it has to do with diabetes. No. Um. So next week I'm doing nothing. Uh, work. I am so jealous of you. I wish it was a week where I wasn't doing anything. Uh, I'm probably going to finish House of Cards after we hang up. I have two episodes left. I want to start watching this True Detective. I don't know that. Oh, everyone's talking about True Detective. We have to have HBO. Do you guys have HBO? Um, I Yeah, we do. Oh, everyone's talking about this True Detective and how it's like the best show. And uh, yeah, it's with Matthew McConaughey and uh, Woody Harrelson. Oh, okay. I'll check it out. I started doing Sherlock. Do you know oh, that? Oh, yeah. That BBC huge. one? So good. Uh, when you're done with Sherlock, I have a Benedict Cumberbatch story for you. Um, I really just love his name. I know. Okay, Joey, hey, it was really nice catching up with you. Oh, you know what? Real quick. Mm-hmm. Um, I did. I went to lunch with, or breakfast with uh, Tom V, listener Tom V. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. And he told me he's super confused about what we're doing with the mini episodes. And he's he like oh, listens yeah. to everything. He just doesn't know what's going on. So maybe Other people are confused too, actually. We should clarify that sometime. Okay, bye, Joe. Go to hell, Mike. Thank you for listening to another episode of Catching Up. Find a new episode each week at cupodcast.com, in iTunes, or in the Stitcher Smart Radio app. Like us on Facebook, facebook.com slash cupodcast. Follow us on Twitter at cupodcast. Email us at guys at cupodcast.com. Or call our listener line at 510-239-7798. Um, yeah, I mean, um, uh, um, 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 uh, um, 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 um,